good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut any cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Karagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you all know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues, and I just want to give a quick shout out. This portion is supported by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, I have a special guest and it seems like I say that all the time, Trish. I have a special guest, but I really do have a special guest tonight. Uh, I have Trish Cook, uh, a rock and roll comedian here, a Native American. Uh, and uh, I would just, I guess we wanted to kind of do this is your life, uh, you know, who are you, what's going on, and then talk about all these great things. And I know you're coming off a big Indian way comedy in Minneapolis that was sold out and totally excited. I have had a couple of your uh, the other comedians on the show, and now it's time for you, uh, Trish. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me, Robert. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I love what you do. I'm a little hungry for Scotch and Mamas now after hearing them <laughs> as your sponsor. Oh, my gosh. I haven't had them in a long time. It's so good. But it's really great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about you. I, I know uh, you have three kids that uh, mm-hmm. that are probably really young because you're super young. Yes, and... yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and... I have um, three adults, young adult sons. I'm almost an empty nester, not quite yet, but getting real, real close. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. and 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 you've. Uh, loved comedy since the 70s and 80s uh uh tell us a little bit about i know you're all over the city here too and you do a lot of things like you know hosting a trivia uh at, at uh dusty's and northeast yep. you know you do a lot of daily things but yep. your your big jam is comedy let's talk about that and talk about who you are now you were brought up in minneapolis right mm-hmm. yep I sure was. Um, so my family is from Red Lake. Um, we are Red Lakers, and um, I feel like Red Lake was very, very present in the way that I grew up and the way that my siblings and I grew up in our family. Uh, but we did grow up in, I grew up in South Minneapolis, um, and our house was busy and loud and noisy, and it was kind of a, um, a stop that people would have when they were coming through. Uh, Minneapolis, so we we had people come in and going from our house all the time. Sometimes they stayed a couple of hours, sometimes a couple of days, sometimes longer. Uh, we we never knew, but my parents always had our home um, open to all. So that's kind of how we grew, grew up. Yeah. You say uh, you were, uh, it was loud. I think of your brother because I worked with your brother for many, many, many years at Harding. And I know he was a drummer or still yep. is. <laughs> so yep. I, I went is, right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, he had to move his drums a couple of times. Uh, his drums were in the garage for a while, and then they ended up um, being in the basement. <laughs> and uh, I mean, yes, it was loud with people, loud with noise, loud with music, loud with conversation. And I think I think our volume is just, I think it's loud. I'm not sure. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, it's really funny, Trish, before, you know, and our community is so small, but before I've met you and I've met you at a, a couple uh, mm-hmm. native things that you've emceed and uh, and done your uh, routine at, uh, I, people had come up in, to me and asked me if I've heard of you, which was really <laughs> exciting once. And seriously, uh, because I was doing the share every day, show every day at the fair and some people would yeah. come up and go, do you know Trish Cook? And I'm going... <laughs> Um, well, I know uh, one of the, I know um, Sarah Larson Sweet is across the way from you at the State Fair. Yeah. Um, I know, I, and you know, people are, I, we 
do kind of all know each other. And if we don't know each other, it's a one or two person separation, right? So exactly. It's small. It's small. So I just got done reading a book uh, about three, four months ago called We Had a Little Real Estate Problem. It's ah, uh, yeah. Unherald uh, story of Native Americans in comedy, and we're going to have the author on very soon. Oh, um, awesome. What amazes me, and not probably so much to you, but how Charlie Hill was such a prominent uh, idol to many comedians now, and uh, and uh, talk about him a little bit, and talk about how he's inspired you to to do your thing. Well, you know, when I grew, grew up and growing up, um, there weren't many images of American Indians, Native people in the media, uh, not in the mainstream media, not in alternative media. I mean, there just wasn't a lot. I mean, um, I, I mean, we had, I mean, I, these are the people that I think of, of like who I saw as Native folks in the media growing up at that time. I mean, there was Floyd Westerman, there was Will Sampson, Buffy St. Marie, Charlie Hill. I mean, we'd even take Billy Jack, right? Like if he was on TV, <laughs> we would run to go watch him to see him because they're just weren't enough. I mean, I remember, I don't know what grade I was in, but going to see um, Wind Walkers, like this mm. really terrible 80s movie, like after church on a Sunday, because it was a, a movie about American Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, so my family was really, uh, I think my folks were really intentional of about um, letting us see and meet people and be exposed to American Indians where, wherever it could be. I mean, in academics, um, if they were theater, if there was a poetry reading, like I remember going to, you know, very sparsely attended poetry readings in, you know, basements or language table, tables, just, you know, because you, you can't, see something, if you can't imagine something, you you don't know how to model it, right? So with Charlie Hill, I was lucky enough to be in Minneapolis and had, you know, parents that could afford to take us to his shows. Uh, And he and my father got along well. So when I would run into, I remember the last time I saw Charlie Hill was at the um, Minneapolis American Indian Center. And I was just running in to take care of some errands and he was coming by and I was like, oh, Charlie Hill, oh, how are you? And he said, well, you know, is your that a-hole father of yours still around. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, like, that's such love, right? Like, that's a good thing. So it was, I think it was really important for my parents and my dad especially to show us the variety and depth and many layers of American Indian culture and that we can fill all kinds of spaces and that there was no space that we shouldn't be in. Um, for me, I mean, I've, I've always loved comedy I used to sneak downstairs to, you know, watch Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, as you may know, my my father um, died during COVID. And, you know, he used to get me, well, he read to me every night when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely every night and did voices and had this whole routine. Wow. Um, and he really instilled a love of reading. And I think no matter how it took to get, you know, us reading, he would um, support. So for me, it was joke books. And I remember getting like the big, you know, fat street jokes, knock, knock jokes, jokes about rabbits, jokes about elephants, all the stuff. And then other things. I mean, he, so I don't, I don't know if he knew, but he also, uh, you know, taught me a few good jokes and encouraged that humor. And I think um, our humor in our communities is so, important and you know i remember my dad saying things like this guy is such a jerk but he's so goddamn funny you know like <laughs> still compliment you couldn't not like somebody who could be funny well it's funny too and uh, we're with trish cook here a comedian of uh, indian way of comedy and we're talking about her and a comedy native comedy and what we said a little earlier trish is like if uh if uh your uh, native relatives aren't making fun of you they don't like you that's right. <laughs> so, yep. So yep. it's a compliment. Hundred percent. Yeah. 
Hey, we got to take a quick break here. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. When we heal from our traumas, when we face our fears, let go of our addictions, when we relearn our values, when we live our teachings, respecting our elders, cherishing and honoring our children, when we honor and take care of our spirit, there will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO. A lot has changed since 2020. Metro Transit wants to hear from you to help build a network that best serves the Metro's needs for the next five years. Help us grow the right way as more resources, like more drivers, become available. Learn more, fill out an online survey, and find out about upcoming meetings in your neighborhood at metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're here with Trish Cook, a comedian and uh, one of the stars of Indian Way Comedy. And uh, Trish, I want to get this uh, over with right away uh, so I don't forget because, you know, I'm getting up there in years and I have a good memory, but it's short. I want people, uh, you to give out your uh, your information about how people can uh, get a hold of you, uh, whether it's MC, comedy, or whatever. Let's get that out there yeah. and then talk about what you are uh, up to in the next month or so. Okay. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate that. Um, all of my social media is under Hey Trish Cook <laughs> or HeyTrishCook.com. Yeah, because that, that's what how I get called out. People are like, why do you say that? And then they'll hear somebody go, hey, Trish Cook, because I have a name that gets a first and last name said at once together. Um, and I also can be reached by email at trishaleecook at gmail.com. And, yeah, I'd love to host and MC events. We do comedy. I do comedy um, in, individually and then um, with my – uh, my guys, John Roberts and Rob, the Res Reporter, Fairbanks. So the, the the three of us are what's Indian Way comedy, right? And you have a new, you have an upcoming event uh, in April twenty third, which is really coming yep. up quick. Uh, yeah, this and, Sunday, this weekend. Wow, I don't even know what day it is, Trish. That's how old I'm getting. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, me, wow. me either. <laughs> uh, we we were going to have a show, the three of us, the original uh, Indian Way comedy. Uh, with myself and John and Rob. And um, unfortunately, um, Rob's mother is in um, hospice and she's expecting to make her journey onward. So we're sending love and prayers and healing to Rob and his family. Um, so he is not going to be there this Sunday. And John Roberts, um, he did not plan well and was going to miss his mom's birthday. So John is out so that he doesn't have all the Red Lake women in his life upset with him. Uh, so we've got two bringers coming up. Uh, so Deanna Ray Standing Cloud, she is also from Red Lake. And then we have Arthur Hardy, 
um, who has basically grown up in the Twin Cities, but he's a Leech Laker. So we still have the same representation of Red Lakers and Leech Lakers that we normally do. Um, but on Sunday, I will be um, considered the headliner and closing out the show. So I'm excited about that. We will be at the House of Comedy at the Mall of America. 7 yeah. p.m. Seven, seven. It's a real seven because sometimes we put the wrong time on our posters. Uh, <laughs> it's a real seven because they the Mall of America, the House of Comedy does early shows on Sunday. So it's a real seven o'clock start time. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you have Deanna on uh, because in that book that I ref- referred to, we talk a lot about our comedians came as uh, – as powwow uh, MCs, and she's yes. one of the only in first uh, women powwow MCs yeah. in the country, and uh, she does a fabulous job. Yeah, so we're really excited about that. I thought that's great, and I like to support um, you know women and women comedians when I can, whether they're native or or not. I mean, it's it's comedy is a tough business. It is really tough. It gets really ugly. Um, and I think it's even tougher for women, really, truly, for a lot of different reasons. And I think being a woman of color and an indigenous woman adds other layers to that. So uh, I'm really excited for what she's going to do. I'm excited to start, uh, share the stage with her and um, get her exposed to a whole new uh, group of, you know, new audience. It'll be great. I think, uh, you know, and I hate to shit on you, but I think uh, <laughs> okay. we should we should uh, have a, a comedian, a comedy contest here in the Twin Cities. And oh, have there's too Indian, many already. And have Indian Way run it and uh, and bring people all over the country and just have. Oh, gonna, okay, who's sponsoring? Can we get Scott and Mamas to sponsor that? Maybe. I would do that. That would be awesome. Well, I think great. we should get some tribes uh, to sponsor it personally, uh, because I think promoting women comedians and men comedians is is huge. And especially so with important. the way things are blowing up here with Reservation Dogs. Yep. Uh, prior to that, we had uh, Rutherford Falls. And yep. there's still there's still things out there. Northern Exposure. Still- I still think Northern Exposure doesn't get enough attention. I mean, they show Native people just not as sidekicks, not as a, you know, one off, but as complex characters that had funny stuff going on and that dry humor. And I think they did it so well without being all the beads and feathers stuff. Right. I mean, that's fine. It has a place, but it shows that I think that was the first show that I watched that was like, wow, they're showing us on TV, which I had never, we weren't the main characters, but we're still more uh, evolved than I had ever seen before. Well, it's funny too. I did not put two and two together, but uh, the comedian that was in the back uh, in the car that was going backwards on the yep. reservation on smoke signals, yep, <laughs> was the actor from Northern Exposure. Yep, Arlene. Yes. Yep. Yep. And now she's everybody's auntie. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. And happy. I mean, it's just it's so it's so great to see. So it's fun. Well, what the so. What, what, uh, how did you get your start? So when was the first time you, you got out on, uh, we were talking a little bit about that, you know, with watching Saturday Night Live and, and Charlie Hill. What, uh, what got you on the stage finally? Um, um how many years? I actually been, um, booking and helping produce shows at a theater in South Minneapolis for many years, uh, with Joe Manjaris, who is a, uh, Chicano comedian here, an actor in um, Minneapolis. And I was lucky enough to be really good friends with his kids, with him. Um, and I worked for him for many years. And Joe gave me a lot of love and inspiration and was like, hey, you should just do it. I mean, you're funny. You've got to, you know, and he, he, he pushed me. Uh, so after a number of years of working behind the scenes, I finally did it. I think I, I don't keep track of my comedy anniversary as well as uh, a lot of other comics do for some reason. Like, it's just like, I actually kind of don't want to remember the first time I went on stage. <laughs> um, but it's been about 10, 10 years. And then, you know, we had the break during COVID. Uh, I didn't go out a lot then. And then, it, you know, coming out and then John and Rob and I have been doing our stuff together for about just over a year. So, yeah, I finally took the leap and was like, yep, I hate it and I love it. I'm going to keep doing it. Because it's terrifying. Right it's terrifying every single time. And every time before I go up, I want to throw up. I feel sick for days before a show. And, 
you, you know, you're by yourself. You don't have a team. You don't have a band with you. You don't have, you know, supporting cast members. It's just you kind of being a jerk by yourself for however much time you have and hoping, you know, that people like you and don't, you know, it's, it's tough. It's brutal. It's, it's, but I feel like when we do the um, native specific shows that it feels like, nope, this crowd is on your side. You know, this crowd is on your side. They want you to see you do well. They want to be excited. And they, you know, they recognize a lot of the people that we talk about, that I talk about, that other native comedians talk about. There's something, you know, kind of universal about our families and whether we're urban or reservations or really remote, you know, really remote areas. Uh, There's something that we can all kind of laugh about. And I, I, I love it. I love that part so much. I really do. Well, if we were an urban uh, comedy show or contest, we could call it Zero Res, you know. Because yeah, <laughs> we, could, we could get them as a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, Perfect. You know, I like that. That's good. You can steal it. You can use it uh, the 23rd. No. Oh, <laughs> I might. I might use it. Everything. No. It's been, I always say when I steal my material, because I used to be a high school teacher, as you know, and yes, kids yep. would always say, you should be a comedian and get paid for this. And I say, I am. I do get paid for it. And <laughs> I have the summers right. off. <laughs> Actually, I was just talking to my brother earlier today that you know, and uh, he said, we were talking about my dad. I was like, well... I think he might be happy because I'm finally um, getting paid for what I do best is, which is talking, like just talking and that's it. I think he, you'd think that that's all right. Well, and you probably do well with hecklers seeing that you have three uh, grown boys, right? (laughs) They're they're my meanest and harshest hecklers and critics for sure. They really are. Uh, They are. Uh, I, we don't really actually, we don't get a lot of hecklers at the, the native shows. We really no. don't because people are having fun and doing it. I get that in other places and myself and all other comedians, we hate it. It doesn't help the show. It's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't care what your cousin in New York told you. Heckling <laughs> is not part of the show. I mean, it it just kind of ruins everybody nights and, you know, it takes away the vibe and your your cadence, you know, that you're on. Um so no, I've dealt with hecklers, not not a fan, not a fan at all. So this is not a challenge to anyone either, because uh, like you said, I do have three three boys. They they challenge me enough. So, well, what I what I like uh, Trish about native uh, humor is it's almost like remember the days of watching the Flintstones. You had the you had the adult humor and the kid humor at the same time, yes. and we have the yep. native humor and the humor humor. On the yep. on the same jokes that we all get, and that yes. you know, they, uh, Reservation Dogs does that really well. You they guys do, do it, so it great. Well. And uh, wow, you. this is this is really uh, flown here. We only got like a a minute <laughs> left. I want you to again talk about the Indian Way Comedy Show. Yeah, so of Indian Way. Yep, that will be happening this Sunday at the House of Comedy at the Mall of America. 7 p.m. So you can get your shopping in, get your Orange Julius, your Aunt Annie's, get your stuff, go check out Nordstrom Rack or whatever you have to do, and then come on in um, to the show. That would be great. Trish, we got to do this again. This just flew for me. Thank you. This just flew for me. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Great uh, to see you. Yes, always great to see you and uh, see you up there emceeing at all our native uh, things. It really is inspiring. I hope so. Thank you. So you're going to ask for a cut now, aren't you? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much, Miigwech. All right. We'll see you soon. All right. This is Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake. And up next, uh, we are sacred animal section with Wendy. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. 
Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO. A lot has changed since 2020. Metro Transit wants to hear from you to help build a network that best serves the Metro's needs for the next five years. Help us grow the right way as more resources, like more drivers, become available. Learn more, fill out an online survey, and find out about upcoming meetings in your neighborhood at metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance, but what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067 or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hey, it's Kelly from Edge Magazine. Ladies, it's time to break the silence surrounding sex and menopause. The Women's Press and Edge Magazine invite you to join our upcoming event, Let's Talk About Sex, Menopause, and Aging Bodies. It takes place this Saturday at the Women's Club of Minneapolis. We'll create a safe space for women to discuss everything related to sex, hormones, menopause, and beyond. It will be a fun day filled with expert speakers, fun swag bags, more than 25 vendor tables, and experimental sessions. Featured speakers include Gaia Descoli, a reporter from the Minnesota Women's Press who will explore topics like sexuality after middle age. We'll also hear from Peter and Lindsay Hoskins about the art of self-love, dealing with isolation and aging, elder care options for the LGBTQ plus community, and more. So join us and discover the power of self-care with menopause in a safe and nurturing environment. That's this Saturday from 10 to 3 at the Women's Club of Minneapolis. More information at edgemagazine.net. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for cloudy skies tonight with a low around 34, Friday rain and snow with a high near 39, and Saturday partly cloudy with a high around 38. Spring has arrived and it's time to take a good look at your lawn. If there's bare spots or brown patches, Natural Lawn can help. For over 30 years, Natural Lawn has taken an environmentally friendly approach to lawn care to feed your soil without unnecessary chemicals. Beat the summer rush and visit naturallawn.com. Hey, welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. Now, I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? That was a good one. Hey, I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many years, and... Wendy, you don't take any crap about these, our sacred animals. I, <laughs> I think really I don't. should add that to the intro, but no, I appreciate <laughs> it. And I just want to say, too, um, I, you know, during the seven years that we've done this show, I've really learned a lot. And I've always, you know, been uh, keyed in with our sacred animals, mm-hmm. but it, I've really learned so much more. And I really appreciate that. And I, I really feel more connected to our relatives because mm-hmm. of the segment that you do. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate that's that. True. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work uh, on animal issues at the local and state level. Funny story. 
Can I just say it really quick? Yeah. So I'm a humane policy volunteer leader. That's like a big word, right? For the Humane Society of the United States. We were supposed to be just humane policy leaders, but then the acronym would have been HPV. And they didn't want us to be HPV because it's a human papillomavirus. Right. So oh. that's why they added leaders at the end. So we're humane policy volunteer leaders. Whoo. So we, we <laughs> just a funny kind of story. I actually just here. I just learned that the other day talking to our state director. So we learn it. No yeah. Other. So I was talking last week about um, going to the Blaine, Minnesota City Council meeting where I was able to testify on behalf of the humane pet store ordinance and i kind of i kind of just said it out there on the radio airwaves exactly kind of what i was going to say to the city council members because i wasn't sure whether when i got there whether i was going to be able to testify or not because it is a first come first serve basis but i did i wrangled my way up there (laughs) and i was able to talk about the humane pet store ordinance and um just quickly uh the humane pet store ordinance what it does is it is it severs the pipeline that these pet stores have from getting the puppy mill and puppy mill kittens into their store so that's what that does we need to stop these uh, puppy mills and the way to go about it is to put this ordinance in place so that the pet stores no longer can obtain cats and dogs from puppy mills and i've talked about this a thousand times on the show anyway yeah here in minnesota uh this ordinance is in place in saint paul roseville eden prairie carver Cloquet, and now we're working on Blaine. We've been working on Blaine for five years now. If I have anybody listening from Blaine, Minnesota, (laughs) I would really, really appreciate it. And all of us would appreciate it so much if you can get in touch with your city council member and tell them that you support the Humane Pet Store Ordinance Mm -hmm. and you would like to see that in Blaine. You want Blaine, Minnesota to join the Humane family with all these other cities in Minnesota. Yeah. So that's what I would, that's my ask for today. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to just say this once again. I'm so happy. Howling for Wolves. Yeah, I got an email. And we already knew that this happened and we mentioned it, but I want to say it again because it's really important. Uh, The Minnesota House of Representatives voted to prohibit wolf recreational hunting in Minnesota. This is awesome, really awesome news. Now what happens, it goes from the House to the Senate, and now the Senate has to vote. Uh, So we all have senators that represent our local areas, and I would also suggest this is my second ask for the day (laughs) my second ask for the day i know i'm going to ask people please help um to get in touch with your uh senator Mm -hmm. and uh let them know that you care about our uh, minnesota wolves you want to see them here for future generations and you do not you want to ban wolf hunting so if you could do that that would be great you know something interesting wendy mm-hmm. I, i'm sorry i want to jump in here for a second there were 69 yeses yays and 57 nays right yeah. but several republicans were not there and some did not even vote that were there so that tells me that they were for the bill but they didn't want to be on record doesn't that, it that is a good a very good theory yes and then uh one republican who didn't care uh, Minnetonka, Tonka Bay uh, voted uh, pro-wolf was Andrew Myers. So big peenie thank you for voting your conscience instead of uh, a political. Uh, exactly. So political thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Yes. I love that. And then again, everybody knows that uh, Robert hey. went and testified in front of our Senate about this bill. It was an informational hearing. And people got up to speak their truth as well. And Robert did an awesome job. So I just want to thank you so much for for doing that, Robert. I know it's, you know, it takes a lot of time out of your day. You have to prepare what you're going to say. It's a little bit nerve wracking to get in there. It's like, you know, hours and hours of, you know, it's really takes a lot to do with 
to do that, to get up and to figure out what you're going to say and to testify in front of the Senate. It's very intimidating. But you weren't intimidated at all. Well, you prepped me, so big <laughs> peen a giggy, Wendy. <laughs> you did such a great job. And you really had, you know, really good um, comebacks for some of the comments and questions that you were asked. So I just want to say thank you. We have to really care about our wolves and our wildlife. And, um, you know, I might talk about this um, on on the next segment. I want to talk about Robert and I have been going through a really tough, um, emotional and stressful time right now. I just want to talk about um, our neighbors. So we have neighbors here who have squirrels in her attic. And she hired a company to come and trap the squirrels. Well, I don't even know, Wendy, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't even know if they're really in her attic. What When I went over there and talked to her in a good, calm way, she said that the squirrels were walking on the roof and keeping her daughter awake. So, and then as the conversation went longer, it was other things like squirrels were getting the house and, mm. and but you know more because you get investigated a little more than me i just went over when we saw that horrific sight yeah so what's ha- what was happening and we don't know if it stopped yet but what was happening is um this company i'm not going to name the company there's hundreds of them out there they claim to you know come and get rid of your critters that are in your attic and house and they trap them what they do is uh, they claim to be as humane as possible and uh, relocate the animals so um what happens is this guy puts the traps on top of her roof now she's really high up she has a really big house and the roof is really high up so Mm -hmm. he puts these two traps up there and from where we are, Robert and I are, from our window, from our deck, from our house, we Your could, backyard, yeah, yeah, our backyard, we could see these traps very easily. They're right there in front of our face. And we could watch these squirrels in the tree, like mm-hmm. squirrels live in trees, right? They climb around in trees. And what they do is they bait the traps. I don't know what they put in there, but the squirrels are very intrigued about what's in the trap because mm-hmm. they go in the trap. So it must be something really good that they like to eat. And then what happens is we're watching. We're watching this squirrel climb around in the tree. And then we watch the squirrel go down on the branch closer to the roof, jumps up on the roof. And there's Robert and I screaming, get away, get away, get away from the trap. Don't get it. Don't get in the trap. Don't get in the trap. What, What happens? The squirrel goes in the trap after this yummy bait that's in there. The door closes behind him. The squirrel is, you could see it's physically shocked. It's crawling around, scraping around, trying to get out of this trap. Now the weather's changing, right? Now it's starting to rain, starting to rain harder and harder, and it's thundering and it's lightning. And this poor squirrel, you could hear him screaming, screaming scratching around this trap trying to get out cannot get out now it's dark Mm -hmm. now it's dark it's raining it's thundering and lightning what happens the next day i see the guy the company pull up in the truck gets his 40 foot ladder out maybe even higher climbs up there what happens what does he bring down a dead squirrel in the trap a dead squirrel in the trap this poor animal died a horrific, horrible, tragic death. Mm. This wasn't a fast death. The cat, you know, the squirrel just didn't like get his head chopped off and it's dead. No, it stood there for hours and hours and hours. It might've taken 10 or 12 hours. They come every 24 hours to get the squirrels out. Mm. I could not even sleep. Right. Now, there's a lot of easier, more humane. I want to, before I get into that, I just want to say, 97% 97% of squirrels, they're very territorial right. animals, they're territorial. So 97% of squirrels who are relocated die shortly after because all the territory is already taken up, right? There's already squirrels already there living in the trees. There's usually one or two squirrels per tree. That's it. Mm-hmm. They chase all the other squirrels out and they, they soon die after being relocated there are more humane ways to get rid of these animals if they're on your roof if they're making noise if they're inside your house 
bang pots, pots and pans, play really loud music, bang on the walls, Mm -hmm. get them out. And when you know that they're not out there anymore, what you could do is like put a piece of cardboard or uh, something that's easy for them to move so that you you could see whether they're going in and out. Mm -hmm. And then once you know that they're out, you need to fix that hole immediately. Right. Fix the hole immediately. Trim back your trees. Squirrels go on trees. If they could climb on your roof, that's what they're going to do. Climb, cut back your trees. So anyway, I called the company. I spoke to the woman. I talked to the technician that climbs up the tree, climbs up the house and um, leaves the traps. And I really honestly harassed the, I'm not going to lie. I kind of harassed him. And he oh. said to me, you're not the first one to harass me. So oh. this happens to him all the time. Yeah. So please, uh, if you're out there listening, you have little critters in your house, please do the humane thing and not <laughs> kill animals slowly. Well, and the sad thing, Wendy, we got like 30 seconds. Yeah. But the sad thing for me is not only was I thinking about it all the time, mm-hmm. we watched it happen. Yes. And so what do we do? We keep on looking out our window and see this poor squirrel yes. on this roof. Um, I mean, you know, this company was treating these like they're mosquitoes, like a f- squashing a fly. That's how this animal is treated. Exactly. Hey, up next, uh, more... Uh, sacred animal uh portion here with wendy we'll be right back after this short break i have happier news stay tuned minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental united states and 80 percent of minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected howling for wolves is asking minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager the wolf their survival is critical to our ecosystems our communities and even our economy As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let howl. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hey, uh, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. Oh. Wow. Hey, part two, Wendy. Yeah, uh, this one's going to be a lot better, a lot <laughs> happier and lighthearted. You know, I, Robert, I didn't even realize that I, I didn't even, I wasn't even planning on talking about the squirrels. Well, that's what's great about live radio. You can just kind of. It's kinda... really heavy on my mind and it really honestly, um, you know, when you see something like that and you see an animal struggle and really suffer like that, it really, to me, really, I just can't even watch it. I mean, it was heartbreaking. I, it was like, do we have a 40-foot ladder in our house? I was right. going to go on our property and get the squirrel down, you know. Exactly. Um, you know, so it's just it's just a hard thing. I'm, I'm glad. We looked today. I, I mean, I've I made kind of a ruckus. I've called that company and told them what's happening and talked to them about the squirrels and my concern and i don't see any traps up there now now there might be traps up there they might be like you know what we need to get these traps out of these people's view <laughs> and they might have put the you know put them somewhere else but um yeah so anyway 
crazy. There's always a there's always a more humane way to do things. Sometimes it might be a little bit harder, it takes a little bit longer, but there's always the humane way to to do things, and and that's what I want. Exactly. Just people to think about, you know, because these companies, Robert, they they tell you we do it the most humane way possible. We relocate this, we uh, relocate the squirrels where there's food sources. You know, this is what this guy was telling me. So he was telling me all these good things, but. So we're going to do another segment on this or no, I'm no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. No, what I'm I done do, talking about no, it. I'm and not, I have a fun wait, story I want to share. Give me one second. I want to just say one thing. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's horrific. To, it was a horrific experience for both of us. And mm-hmm. um, these are our relatives. And I just want to throw that out there too, because everywhere I looked to break them out, Wendy, it said that how inhumane, inhumane it was to put them, in a different area. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that, that. Right. You said article after article that you looked up how yeah. inhumane that was to relocate them because they are so territorial. All right. Thank but, you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Enough about the squirrels. Stay with us. <laughs> yes, exactly. So a lot of you may have heard about the bald eagle named Murphy. Yes. Yes. He's been all over the internet. Um, so he's from Missouri and he lives in a sanctuary, the World Bird Sanctuary in Missouri. So Murphy has been there for a really long time because he has a broken wing or a wing that's deformed or something. Well, he can't fly. So he's been there. He's 31 years old. And what happened about a month ago was because the weather changes and, you know, it's it's like um, the season to have babies and stuff. Um, Murphy found a rock that he was incubating. So what they found was Murphy went and he found a bunch of sticks and he's on the ground, right? Because he can't fly. So he's not in a tree or anything, but he, he kind of made this little nest that he thought was a nest. It it wasn't much of a nest, but he put the rock in there and he was incubating the rock. He would get up and turn the rock. He would sit on the rock. He would, he would squawk at the other eagles that would come around to say, you know, to protect the rock. And he really, you know, did this and, you know, the sanctuary thought, well, this is so cute and everything, but how sad is it that he thinks that this rock is going to hatch and have a baby eagle? And as far as the sanctuary go knows, he's never had any uh, eaglets of his own. Uh, and just to to say, um, eagles, bald eagles, together, the male and the female co-parent, so they're both very involved. Um, and this is this explains Murphy's behavior, right? Yeah. Uh, so what happened was um, they found an eaglet uh, that's mom died. Come on. Yeah. So they did. That's so awesome. yeah. So they brought the they took the rock out, right? They had to sneak the rock out when Murphy wasn't looking, right? And they re- and they put this eaglet behind kind of a little bit of a fence. So that Murphy could see him, but not really touch him because honestly, they really didn't know how he was going to react when he saw it. You know, he could have killed it, really. Right. But what happened was Murphy is turning out to be a pretty good stepdad. Oh. Yeah, he's feeding the eaglet and is on his best behavior. And he's really... um, bonding with this little eaglet and there's so many pictures on the internet so all you have to do is is google murphy eagle and it'll tell you about the whole story and it really is quite heartwarming um and just show goes to show like and how animals really want to nurture and care for the young right and bring in he's feeding the little eagle it's really 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 cute it's adoring adorable and it's just like a really really heartwarming story um i have another story it's um kitten season uh so it's kitten season right now and um i'm gonna go bad news now so bad news but then i'm gonna go good news so okay so saint paul and minneapolis animal care and control is getting more kittens um and cats right now than they know what to do with they have more Mm -hmm. cats so this is the first time in years that they're euthanizing cats oh my god because they just don't have enough room no there there's just not enough people out there 
who want cats, wow. right? So they're overwhelmed with these cats. And it's also kitten season. So all the rescues are really looking for fosters. Mm. So if you have room in your house and you could foster, honestly, Robert, I would foster. But right now we have three sick animals in our house. So we really and so can't. it's really like six animals. It is. It's a lot. But anyway, if you could foster, it's really helpful. And um, when, you're, when you foster, you're really saving two animals' lives, right? right? You're saving the animal that you're fostering so that animal does not um, get euthanized and you're also making room for another animal to come in to rescue exactly. so yeah so also baby bunnies are being born right now oh my god you know but bun- bunnies i'm sorry i'm gonna say this on the air they're no. not the smartest animals oh. so listen they make their nest in the ground like in the middle of your yard our our neighbor who moved away, she used to have a hunting dog and the hunting dog would go out there every day, every day, every day. What did she have in her backyard? The bunny. The bunny built a nest in the middle of her yard when there's, yeah, when there's uh, a hunting dog on the property every day. Like, that's not very smart, no. I'm sorry to say. But our neighbor was really awesome. What she did was she put, like, a, a little f- fencing around the... Really? Yeah, she put a fence around the nest uh, so the dog couldn't get in it, but the mother bunny could go in and out of the nest and feed her young, right? Mm-hmm. So I was really happy about that. But, you know... Um, what. A lot of people will see a lot of people will see the baby bunnies in the nest in the ground hmm. um, and say, oh, my God, I have to rescue them. I need to bring them you know, somewhere. But you don't leave them alone. What you want to do is make like a um, what they say is like get some twigs and put them around uh, the nest or get some yarn and put it around the nest hmm. or put flour around the nest so that you'll be able to see whether the mom is going back and forth and feeding the the babies, right? Wow. You could also, if the mother, mother's not around, you could pick up one of the babies, turn them upside down and look at their belly. And if you see a nice little round belly, you know that the uh, bunny has milk in it and you Whoa. know that the bunny what is the... safe Jeez. if right and and you could pick up the bunny the mom's not going to say oh i'm not taking care of my baby anymore because a human touched it that doesn't happen so you want to keep your animals out of the area uh, avoid uh, use grass twigs to make a little tic-tac-toe pattern over the nest uh, to assess whether the mother is returning to nurse the young uh, leave them alone. If you really know that the mom's not coming along, you know, coming around and feeding the babies and you turn them upside down and the, ba- and the baby's belly is really skinny, you want to call your local uh, wildlife rehabilitation center to take further action. All right, on Wendy. Hey, Pina Gigi, for being on half the show, it's like the old days of Pilot's Progressive Party. I have more. Do you want more? <laughs> <laughs> next, next week. All right. Or maybe even tomorrow. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance. Free Leonard Peltier. Now we are the seventh generation. <laughs>